0: The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.
1: Hello, welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard, and of course, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Tim Foster. Hey, John. And we thought we'd do something a little bit different today. There was a rally. Uh, the UFW uh, had a rally over the Capitol. So Tim and I went over with our vast array of uh, technological
0: equipment. So uh, one of the reasons we wanted to go over there is that the UFW had, at the very last minute, gotten Tom Morello, who is the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine, or a very political rock band, uh, to come over and perform at this rally. So I'm, I'm first off, Have you ever heard Rage Against the Machine, John?
1: I've heard Rage Against the Machine. I didn't like the music. I didn't
0: it wasn't that good to me. But give me some Rolling Stones. You know, I I will say an interesting thing I I found, you know, surprising, but maybe shouldn't be surprising. The former candidate for vice president under Mitt Romney. What's the guy's name? Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, the former speaker. Yeah. So so so, uh, something I learned that... Surprised me, but shouldn't surprise me. I believe the Rage Against the Machine was Paul Ryan's favorite band. And I remember Tom Morello was outraged when he found out that was a big band because he's like, You are everything I was raging against. But anyway, so Tom Morello uh, had agreed to come and perform uh, on the West Steps of the Capitol as part of this rally, which is urging the governor to sign AB 2183, which would allow uh, farm workers. Uh, to organize by mail, basically, basically to, yeah. to do their votes by mail, like we do. So you know, uh, that was a good excuse.
1: For it's interesting, isn't it, what, what political figures like musically. Uh, there were, who's the guy in the, in the assembly, just absolutely loved that band, Chicago, went to all their concerts, never that? Yeah. Uh, I don't, and then who, no, was the, who was the lobbyist that, um, that, who was that lobbyist that really liked heavy metal? And we thought kind of, it would be the last thing in the world. It'd be like, somebody told me he liked ballet dancing. It just seems so odd.
0: And I do remember when we uh, talked to Ash Kalra, his favorite band was Iron Maiden, which I didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> you, know who's, you know, his favorite band is not a surprise at all. Who? Bernie Sanders' favorite band is Fish, because they're they're from Vermont. So it all makes yeah, sense. Well, there you go. You know. There you go. Uh, but anyway, so long story short, <laughs> we wandered over to the Capitol. Uh, we got there early, and so we were expecting uh, crowds that we, we couldn't even cut through. That wasn't true. We got there so, so early, we beat the crowds. Uh, and we did. We ran into Mark Grossman. And uh, you said Mark Grossman has been with, with the uh, farmers for what, 53 years? 52
1: years. Started in 1970. Said he was at the age of 19 years old. Started there. and still is listed as our communications guy. Uh, and so we had a lot of fun. We chatted with him about the old days and the present days and what's going on now and how he's looking at the latest latest issue. Like Tim mentioned, the reason for this uh, rally was to show support for AB 2183, which is on the governor's desk, make it easier for union workers, farm workers to organize, let them vote by mail in union elections and do some other things. It's a big bill for them. The president likes it. Nancy Pelosi likes it. But Gavin Newsom hasn't said yet whether he's going to sign it or not.
0: Okay. 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 So we're okay to record this and yes. for buck, right? uh-huh. Okay. What's the
1: importance of the event? Why are we here? Now? Well, Why are you here? Now? It it shows
2: just the huge breadth of support for AB twenty one, you know, eighty three. We have Tom Morello. who's He's just you know kind of on the left, you would say, uh-huh. to President Biden and Nancy Pelosi and. Vice President Harris and Kerry Kennedy. You know, it's every part of the political spectrum that's urging Governor Newsom to sign the Farm Worker Voting Rights Act. And he's going to be doing a concert today, right? From the West Steps. Yeah, he just flew in from L.A. to be here for that.
1: President Biden has urged the governor to sign it. Nancy Pelosi has urged the governor to sign it. The governor hasn't said, but he's got. What are we, we're on the 21st right now. He's got 10 days left to do the deed or not do the deed. What's your take on what he's going to be doing?
2: Don't know. It's anyone's guess. He I mean, can sign veto or allow it to become law without a signature. Yeah.
0: And so saw there's a long list of opposition. I mean, the, the opposition list is huge on this. And not really.
2: I mean, it's the ag industry. Yeah, exactly. It's been
0: their allies, allies. So, right? And so, chamber. and and he is. And uh, so, Governor Newsom is allied with the agriculture industry, you know, you know, he's part of the winery industry, so how do you think that's going to play into this? That's his decision to make.
2: You know, you have, when you're governor, yeah. you get elected to make decisions. And do you, you decide, you know, for the farm workers who uh, have been uh, enduring uh, abuse and coercion and intimidation and deportation, when all they want to do is bring in a union? Or do you side with the oppressors it's a simple choice so now the 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 right thing to do in our view is really simple can you talk about exactly what 2183 will do for people who may not be familiar with the bill well uh, when the agricultural labor relations act was passed in 1975 the only way that political voters in california could vote was at polling places with very few exceptions Uh, but california as governor newsom is proud to boast pioneered expanding voting rights so we can I don't know about you I don't vote in the polling place yeah. I haven't for Damn years it. I don't have my precinct anymore yeah. I got new by mail that's right I, yeah. I vote at home yeah you know by mail yeah. and and other people drop ballots in their drop boxes and other manner of, of voting so uh, the bill would create two tracks in its present iteration that was passed by legislature in August One would be a labor peace track where growers could register to choose that track where uh, uh, they would agree to be neutral and not to hold captive audience meetings and threaten to fire and deport people if they support the union. And then workers would get to vote and they could choose how they want to vote. They could do it at a polling place, which under the ALRB since 75, have nearly always been on grower property. Or they could vote from home. The comfort and security home, like most of us do. If a grower either doesn't make a decision or chooses the other option, the non-labor piece track. Then workers would vote in the same method that public employees in California have voted for decades.
1: And how does that work? They go into the where into the into the it's office. It's a majority sign-up. Oh, okay, okay. Um, has Newsom signaled any? I see, giving you any indication what is objectionable about the bill? Well, is the it governor, one of those two things or uh, is it something else?
2: The governor laid out a framework for what he wanted to see in this bill. Yeah. And yeah. through our author, Assemblymember Mark Stone, uh, we took his framework, 100% of it, and put it in the amended version and 90% of all the details uh-huh. of, of his framework and put it in the bill the legislature passed with more legislative support than we got last year. So the compromise bill is the one that's on his desk. I have never been in a negotiations where you give the other side 90% of what they ask for and they still say no. So what's the
1: politics then? Do you think, well, I mean, I think I know, I think a potential presidential campaign has something to do with this. But what? Maybe not. What's the politics behind this? You know,
2: that's not for
0: us to opine on. Other people can.
2: Yeah, but that's speculate. that's our
1: job. You know? Yeah, that's so, your job. You
2: can
3: do that. So, so here's when
0: they're down. You know. So here's a question for you. This bill or similar bill came up before, and Governor Newsom vetoed it before it even. Not the same bill. Not the same bill, but a similar yeah.
2: bill. Similar subject, but right. this one, this bill, the one that he has on his desk, yeah. contains almost everything in the framework that he laid out.
0: That he wanted to see in the bill it's there so the last bill he vetoed i think they were going to do the march to sacramento he vetoed it the That's first right. day and as soon so as you heard about the yeah bar. they got about like 150 feet away from uh from the same day sorry. a little more but and yeah, so no, uh so yeah now he's letting this play out and to me there's got to be a political calculus there do you have any does that give you any insights on whether or not he <laughs> might be more likely to sign it because you know, he's letting this play out or it's all speculation and no one knows,
2: uh, you know, some people argue that if you're a governor and you have a very controversial measure, and uh, you wait till the very last minute and make announce the decision in the midst of everything else, the dozens of other bills that get announced at the end and try to lowball it, I guess, in terms of the public impact. I don't think that could happen on this bill. Um, yeah. But I, all of that is speculation and not for us. To well, what was the
1: tipping point, you think? Uh, the organi I mean, organized labor seems to be doing well lately. Doing well—that's
0: an understatement.
1: Yeah, I mean, in California, it's been mostly public employment. Has been the increase now. It seems like maybe it's more balancing out. Well,
2: but the difference between this year and last year, yeah, Bill. Well, this year, the California labor movement is solidly behind 2183. You have a new head of the California Labor Federation, Lorena Gonzalez, who brought along UFW, who brought the UFW back into the fold. Uh That was because of her. Uh, And, and you know, she joined the march at several occasions and has made this a top priority of California labor. You have unprecedented mobilization, public mobilization. I don't know if you were here on August 26th, the last day of the march, but there were more than 5,000 people the last mile in the state capitol. And, you know, I've seen organizations bring large numbers of people to the capitol before. Yeah. Some of them, they're not really sure exactly why they're here. These folks were energized and fired up and agitated and angry, some of them. So, uh, you know, I, th- I don't think the UFW has been more relevant and enjoyed broader public support than it, that it has in this fight.
1: It got out of both houses well, easily.
2: Oh, uh, close to a two-third majority. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it really gets out, of it, but it runs into the stumbling block. Potentially, we won't know till August 31st, but it runs into the stumbling block. September the 30. Excuse me, September 31st. Yeah. So we won't know until then, another two well, days or so. You know, How big a stumbling block?
2: It doesn't really matter for us if he signs or vetoes it, if he vetoes it, we're not going to give up.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, I, I knew Cesar Chavez the last 24 years of his life. And uh, he used to say that in our fight, in La Calza, uh, uh, the only time that you lose is when you stop fighting. He said, it's not like a baseball game. At the end of nine innings, whoever has the most runs wins. Uh-huh. The other team loses or a political contest. Candidates run a campaign and one wins and the others lose. You know, he said, in this fight, you know, you only lose when you stop fighting. And he said, the met- the lesson is that if you resist and persist and don't give up, you'll win. Is the strongest opposition still from the growers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the narrative out there is still, oh, the UFW isn't relevant and it's weak and it's it can't organize and isn't doing anything well. If that's true, then... Why is the industry so vehement in its opposition to this bill?
0: Why would the governor care then? So here's a question. You mentioned when we were first talking to you before we started recording. You've been with the organization for 53 years. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the difference between what you walked into 53 years ago and what you're seeing today, and especially with sort of the revitalization of the labor movement? Can you kind it's
1: of put
2: that,
0: that in
1: long, perspective? Really? It's really been that long. It's yeah. unreal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I started in the late 60s. I was 19. Um, You know, uh, unions have never been more popular. I saw polls that 70% of Americans look favorably upon unions. And shouldn't we be about making it easier for workers to join a union instead of making it harder? I mean, with all the income inequality and all the economic disparity that's plaguing this country today, and farm workers are among the most vulnerable and abused workers in America. Yeah. So why not start there? Our Governor uh, Newsom has been rightfully calling Governor Dukakis for his, you know, despicable
0: abuse.
2: DeSantis. Of, uh, DeSantis, of, for his despicable abuse of uh-huh. vulnerable migrants, shipping, flying them to Martha Vineyards yeah. to an island and leaving them there. Uh-huh. And then he's right to do that. But shouldn't he look to his own house first? He has a, He's criticizing Governor DeSantis for abusing migrants. He has a bill on his desk that would uh, help migrant farm workers uh, overcome abuse when they try to unionize. It seems like a simple matter
1: to decide. Well, Caesar had a very strong relationship developed over time with Jerry Brown mm-hmm. and the ALRB getting signed and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have that kind of relationship? Do you think that's strong with the governor? I mean, knowing what this bill, potential bill issue is, but I mean. well, that was a
2: unique. I think Caesar's relationship with Jerry Brown was unique. Uh-huh. Uh, they just clicked. I don't know. Maybe they were both interested in Eastern religion. Um, but uh, so you know, I, I don't think you know, and and he, and Caesar. Had a similar, uh, very close relationship with Robert Kennedy too. Uh-huh. So I I don't know that those historical uh, analogies are apt. You know I think those were those were novel times. You know in the 60s and 70s. Um, but I do know that you know Caesar would say that you know if the union did not survive his death, he thought it would have been a terrible waste of time and work and effort. And sacrificed by too many people, so I think he would be delighted to see what's happening today. It's exactly what he had hoped would would occur.
1: If if 2183 is passed, do you think that will have an immediate impact and have a strong impact on the way people can, way farm workers can organize? It
2: it would. Instead of having to uh, run a gauntlet of intimidation, coercion, threats, deportations when just to vote on whether to join a union uh, farm workers would be able to avoid all of that. So yes, it would make a huge difference and it would make a huge difference in changing people's lives. You know, I've seen what unionization can do in agriculture. Admittedly, it's a small percentage of the workforce, but when farm workers have union contracts they have a voice. They, They it's not just the wages and the benefits and the family, medical, health coverage. Uh, it's also protection from sexual uh, uh, harassment and having to pay bribes to and supervisors. And you know, all the, the plagues that beset farm workers today can be remedied. They just, need, they just need to be able to vote for a union without having to risk their livelihoods and sometimes their lives. Fair
1: enough. Mark Grossman, thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah, I recognize you right out of the bat, too.
0: So we talked to Mark Grossman, and then uh, it was time to go over and, and see what all this music was all about. So, And we walked over and uh, played a little bit of that, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and we'll do our uh, Who Had the Worst Week uh, once we're done with that. So here's here's a little taste of what you heard at the rally. Global 47 in Los Angeles.
3: I'm a proud car-carrying member of the Industrial Workers of the World.
0: It's an honor. United Farm Workers
3: in Sacramento, And yeah. yeah. you Tom Morello i like, yeah, Tom Morello. And she's like, where are you going? And so I'm going to Sacramento. She like, said, why is Tom Morello going to Sacramento? And I said, because United Farm Workers are making history again in Sacramento and I don't want to miss it. Yep, Guitars and amplifiers in our basements because my mom was a union high school teacher. buy grapes to help them to have better lives and to form a union and to be strong and I said mom but I love grapes (laughs) and she said we're not getting those grapes today and I thought it was uh, awful I was like so pissed off I love those grapes I was eight years old but I went home and I thought about it and I asked her I said like so why can't I have those grapes because those people are sacrificing and they're struggling to make better lives for themselves. And all you gotta do is sacrifice a little bit to help them a lot. So from 50 years, the United Farm. so next time we went back to the grocery store, I was like, is that boycott thing still a thing? my mom's like, yes, it's like, today we're not gonna get grapes. She's like, that's right, we're not gonna get grapes today. So 50 years, that was was eight years old, I'm 58 years old now, so 50 years ago, the United Farm Workers taught me about sacrifice and solidarity, and 50 years later, they're still teaching me about sacrifice and solidarity. It's an honor to stand here with them. I'm going to miss solo show. I love you You're awesome, and I want you to sing along when required. I'll let you know. This first song is a fighting song. It's a freedom song. Brothers- first song is a union song for the fired auto workers who were twisted, tricked and robbed for the peasant in Guatemala in a sweatshop got your... Okay, thanks for the
1: music, even though I left early because it was too hot for me and I was sweltering in my sweatshirt. Well, now we're waiting to see what he does with that bill, what the governor does with that bill. The clock is ticking, uh, but now we're going to talk about who had the worst week in California politics.
0: The worst week, worst week, worst week, and this one, uh, I think it was a fairly easy decision this week, don't you think, John? Yeah, I think so.
1: Uh, he had a pretty good week, well, a couple of weeks ago, but now he had a bad week. Uh, he had his investigation, it sounds he, like he's been hoping for. He being, he being
0: sheriff.
3: Villanueva. Sheriff,
1: uh, LA County Sheriff Alex Villanueva, uh, his department, his deputies raided uh, Sheila Kuehl's home. County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl's home, as part of a corruption investigation, the Sheriff's Department is doing into a contract that at least one contract, $800,000 contract, that had been given by the county to a nonprofit that's run by Sheila one of Sheila Kuehl's friends, Patty Gickens. Sheila Kuehl has been a regular critic of the Sheriff, as has her friend, and the Sheriff himself has been embroiled in various controversies over the past Few months. So it has the smell of that investigation, that raid had the smell of politics. What happened this week is that State Attorney General Rob Bonta, state's ranking law enforcement officer, stripped the Sheriff's Department of that investigation and took it over himself. He's going to do it. The sheriff will have no role in it. And what happens now is anybody's guess. That also has the smell of politics. Bonta's a Liberal Democrat. Sheila Kuehl's a Liberal, a liberal Democrat. They were in the legislature roughly around the same time. Um, nobody who quite knows what's going on there. But the point is, it seems like Sheila Kuehl has at least dodged a bullet uh, temporarily. And that's where we are.
0: Yeah. And and Villanueva, having this taken away from him. Now, you have a better sense of the history of this. Does this happen very often? I know that it has happened a few times. I, I know that, uh, I don't know about a specific case, but I do remember when the attorney general's office stepped in and and took over. I think it was administration of the Bakersfield Police Department because there were allegations of racism, things like that. So I know this does happen. Yeah. Uh, how often does it happen? Yeah, it it does happen. You're right. Uh, it's fairly rare, though. And um,
1: I seem to recall it happening in environmental suits, lawsuits. I think it may have happened in a case involving a uh, environmental issues involving uh, Riverside county and the state attorney general at the time then jerry brown uh conducted an investigation or stepped in uh, carried the investigation i don't know if it's exactly uh, analogous to this case but the ag does get involved they also get involved in um cases where there's a conflict with a local district attorney i seem to recall that happening in shasta county a few years ago uh they get involved if a local um district attorney's office is overwhelmed and does not have the resources to to conduct a case. They can ask EAG, hey, come on in and do this. You got hundreds of lawyers. We don't come on in and help us out with this. Um maybe even happen with school districts being taken over that haven't been run properly. You know, it happens from time to time, but it is pretty rare. uh and I don't know about sher- a sheriff's department being stripped of its ability to, to investigate, of its jurisdiction. It seems clearly this has a the jurisdiction of the sheriff's department seems pretty obvious. So the AG stepping in, this is a little rarer than that, I think.
0: Well, and then there's also the weird thing that uh, I think everybody involved except for Kuhl is up for election. And I don't believe that Sheila Kuhl is up for election this year. But Sheriff sure, Villanueva is up for election yeah. and Rob Bonta is up for re-election uh in November. So everybody's on the hook here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh whenever a politician is up for election, you always got to watch very carefully what happens just before the election. If there are any big events that happen that may affect that what the, how the voters perceive that particular person, that may play a role in here too, for sure.
0: You know, and I have to say I was a little disappointed uh the LA mayoral debate was last night. I was thinking maybe we'd have a worse week there if somebody really blew it, but uh, I didn't feel that there was any any major gaffes or anything that have come out of that. Uh, I didn't actually, to be clear, I did not watch the whole thing, but um, I didn't see any reporting that there was a a particular game changing moment in that in that uh, debate. Did you see it, John? I did not. I didn't watch it. Uh, I don't really like watching debates.
1: Sometimes I feel I have. Well, I have to if I'm covering a story, but I wasn't covering this. Uh, The stories I read on it, there wasn't any breakthrough moment. The big big issue down there is still Caruso and all his money and Karen Bass, who has been been tarnished a bit by that USC scandal uh, that affected someone else, now affects her and her scholarship. I don't know how that plays out. Seems to me things are pretty much the way they were before the debate, at least the early indications are that. Maybe more nuanced polling will show something different.
0: And, you know, and tying this all back to our main story here with uh, whether or not the governor is going to sign AB-2183, we're also waiting to see if the governor is going to endorse in the L.A. mayor's race. He has not. Uh, again, he is an outlier. You had Biden and Kamala uh, Harris have both <laughs> endorsed Karen Bass uh, wholeheartedly, and yet it's crickets from the governor's office. Yeah. So, you know.
1: Well, nobody's pressuring him to endorse. I don't think people are waiting breathlessly for him to endorse as they are waiting for him to act on that bill. Um, I, he's in a in a political between a rock and a hard place on that bill, which I think is the, the most significant event facing him at least over the next few days till the end of the month.
0: Yeah. And he's and as we record this, uh, the governor, I don't believe he's even in California, I think he's traveling. Uh, so. If Eleni Kunalakas wanted to sign this bill, she could just take it the- <laughs> or veto it, I suppose. She could just take it right off the table. So Now, there we
1: have a story.
0: Yeah. There we there would be a repeat of a
1: Jerry Brown era, when Jerry Brown was out campaigning for president and the attorney general, or excuse me, the lieutenant governor, uh, acting
0: as governor, I think he tried to appoint judges. Uh, yeah. Who Dennis was that? Brown- <laughs> that was Mike Curve. You know, so, you know, uh, we're going to tie this all back together. So Mike Curb, you know, speaking of rock and roll bands, yeah, Mike Curb headed the Mike Curb Concreation, yeah. uh Rock Band and, you know, recorded records. And I don't yeah. know if you ever had any hits, but uh, he was you actually... the nicest
1: people on a Honda. That was his biggest hit. It was an advertising slogan. Well,
0: there you go. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, this is getting really inside baseball. This is almost like it should be on a David Kitana podcast about music. But I think the Mike Curb's band... Plead behind, oh boy! I'm really easy on this. Davey Allen and the Arrows, who Davey Allen and the Arrows did these incredible sort of biker instrumentals, real, real hard, uh, fuzzy instrumentals in the mid '60s. They sound like like biker movie soundtracks. And I want to say that Davey Allen and the Arrows did some stuff with Mike Curb, which Mike Curb is as far from like the biker image as you could possibly yeah. get. Mike Curb is like if you're picturing. uh, mr rogers in politics i mean not not that he was like known as this nice guy but the way he looks yeah. you know, sort of So he was more opinion. in
1: a country western his big thing was country western music, which he know. uh extolled at every I, I think he's back in memphis now i'm not i don't think he's in california anymore
0: yeah well he certainly i didn't see him at the tom morello <laughs> uh, I, did, I did not see him there banging his tambourine so
1: yeah yeah totally true
0: Okay. well with that I think we can let these people go on with the rest of their week and uh, you know hopefully we're really hoping we're not gonna have to re-record this if the governor vetoes or uh, vetoes that bill uh, in between the time this we record this and it goes live then then the ufW would have had the worst week yep
1: true enough Tim Foster thank you very much
0: people thanks for so
1: listening great. thank you so much and we'll talk to you next soon next time around. On the, field,
3: the smell rotten on the contracts and the deeds that push the race down to the bottom they load the rubber bullets they fire another round. I'm heading to the tear gas. Dig in, man, hold your ground. For Joe Hill and Celia Chavez, who fought in their own time. For our brothers, and our sisters, up and down that picket line. For the unnamed and unnumbered who struggle brave and long. For the union men and women standing up and standing up.
0: The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.